Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Chicago Business Podcast, where we introduce leading executives in the area and learn how innovation is impacting their businesses. I am your host, Drew Sekula, and today we welcome Elizabeth Cologne, President and CEO of Metafrancis Language and Cultural Solutions, a Chicago-based nat national interpreting and translation company with a network of more than 600 linguists. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Drew. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm doing real well this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Nice to meet you. You have, uh, so you have built a sizable business and made uh, some other very important contributions to our society, which I'm really uh, looking forward to discussing with you. The, uh, uh, but I'd like to get started with the, uh, with the icebreaker though. So I think you uh, made a beverage of the day selection. I sure did. Okay, what are we having today? All right, so, the, so it's a mojito. I love mojitos, especially in the summer, but I am currently in Puerto Rico and it is one of the top drinks that you normally get when you're here. I got everything, but I couldn't find the one important ingredient, which was mint. Ooh. I know. So then I had to go back and find Bacardi mint rum. <laughs> so here it is. There you go. There you go. So it is. I, also, I have it. <laughs> nice. I have one one to match you as well. I, I did round up the mint at, uh, at Jewel earlier today, though. And... Uh, and yeah, I had some fun making it. So I, it was my my first time, although uh, not not my first time for a mojito, just my first time making one. Making it. <laughs> I'm sure but it's delicious. I, I, I too was missing some very important ingredients, uh, specifically the uh, sunshine and the umbrella that I'm used to having when I... Uh, when I have a mojito. Though. You definitely need that. You definitely need a <laughs> salute. Salute. Mm. Such a refreshing drink. Yeah, it is. And, and coconut mojito is very popular here in Puerto Rico. All right, what are you doing down there in Puerto Rico? I actually came to visit my parents, and for the first week, I'm actually quarantining somewhere else just to play it safe. And I leave Friday, and then I'll be up in the mountains with them um, celebrating the holidays. Nice, nice. Yes. That's great. The. Uh, uh, you're one of few people that are uh, able to break away and actually get to someplace, get to someplace warm for for the break. But that's uh, that's good that uh, you made it down there. Is that so? Is that home country for your family then? It is. It is. And I'm here, but I'm not out there where it matters. I am like walking distance, like ten feet from the ocean. And I have not taken advantage of it because I'm actually working, which really stinks, right? Because I can't. Enjoy the weather. Yeah. And it's two hours ahead, which puts me at my five o'clock and the day is seven o'clock here. Right. Right. Well, before we get yes. too far um, into it, if you could give kind of a 50,000 foot view of your, of your business, I'd like to start with that. And then we can talk about some of the other things you have going on as well. Sure. Absolutely. So 13 years ago, I created my company called Metaprocess Language and Coaches Solutions. And the goal behind the company is really to connect businesses with 
qualified linguists to provide communication in the languages that their clients speak. So as we live in the world of globalization, there is just a lot of business that are hap that's happening across country. And so we have a, a talented pool of over 600 interpreters and translators that offer on-site interpreting, telephonic, video remote interpreting, document translation. We've been doing a lot of audio transcripts lately. And we actually offer training for anybody who wants to become a professional interpreter. And we started in 2007 as specifically only for healthcare, but in the last five years, we've been doing kind of all verticals because language is language, right? Everyone needs it. And we've been doing a lot of work in the government space, education, corporate 500, marketing, public relation forms, et cetera. So that is a nutshell, 50,000 feet, what our company is. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I got lots of kind of questions going to some of the details on there, but maybe if we could take a step back and start with your origin story and tell us uh, kind of where you grew up in and, uh, and what your progression was like uh, over your career. Sure. So born and raised in Chicago, did have the opportunity to live a few years in Puerto Rico. Well, was where I kind of got immersed, although my first language was or is Spanish. And I grew up on the south side of Chicago with a single mother of six kids. We, my parents didn't speak any English. And so as children, we often were with them and their appointments, wherever they went, bank, social service, hospitals, we served as their interpreters. And I also have two sisters who are from the deaf community. And I remember growing up how challenging it was for them because when they were in school, they were often dismissed, right, or misbehaving and not participating in class instead of, you know, getting them the attention or trying to figure out what, why they sat in the back of the class, right, why they didn't raise their hand. But it did take a teacher, one of my sister's teachers in seventh grade, to do an experiment, had the entire class call out her name, and they realized when she didn't respond that it was a hearing problem, and then both of them got transferred out to schools where they were able to provide them with American Sign Language and the necessities that they needed. So I grew up in that environment of seeing sort of the breakdown in communication and how much it was hard for them to communicate with the external world. And as I got older, I took an interest in healthcare and began working in the hospital at the early age of 18, where again, I was faced with the same experiences that my parents did, right? And I was seeing patients coming in, children being used as interpreters, uh, patients being turned away because they didn't have an interpreter or somebody who didn't speak English. And that prompted me to want to learn more about the field. Um, and although I was going into going to nursing school, kind of just deviated into something else. And I learned about the industry of interpreting because I wanted to make a difference growing up in my community in Chicago. And I, what I found was that we were a professional. It's just an, it wasn't just you just interpret, right? It was you are a professional interpreter. I went and got trained in Seattle because it wasn't really a program here in Chicago that actually trained interpreters. And I fell in love with it. And I ended up staying and becoming a certified trainer because I wanted to bring it back to Chicago. And then in 2007, I realized that I wanted to open up my company to make a difference and to make sure that anytime we sent out an interpreter or anytime we translated a document that it was always done by qualified individuals, right? The documents don't look like 
something that was translated on the computer or that the interpreters that were going out would not be missing information or adding things because they didn't know. Something that I did myself when I, when I was in medical, um, nursing school of sharing information that wasn't accurate. And so I've been, again, doing that 13 years. We've been the recipient of many, many awards for the work that we've done. We've been acknowledged for providing good quality services for the relationships that, that we have with the healthcare organizations. In 2014, I won the Small Business Person of the Year for the state of Illinois. And that was a huge privilege for me to go to Washington and receive my award out there. Got to oh, go to the wow. White House. Yeah, went to the White House, didn't see President Obama then. <laughs> <laughs> I got to travel and get to see kind of the environment he was in at the time. <laughs> Um, so now, you know, today I'm, I'm married. I have two boys, a 27-year-old and a 16-year-old. And I volunteer my time. I am the, the president chair of the Norwegian American Hospital Foundation. It's a safety net hospital in, in Humboldt Park. And I do it as a means to give back to the community because although I was not raised in Humboldt Park, it, you know, the hospital is similar to hospitals and medical facilities that I, attend, I went to when I was a little girl growing up. And so I wanted to give back to the community. I am also the National uh, Mambo's National Association of Women's Business Owner, Chicago Chapter, first Latina president in their 43 history, where I am in charge of uh, promoting and supporting and educating women business owners, regardless of what level you're in in your business. So I try to keep a little busy. Yeah, it sounds like it. You have a lot on your plate there between your professional interests and, the, and giving back to those other organizations. So. It's really, uh, you got your hands full there, it sounds like. So, um, you, I'm interested in uh, diving into the business a little bit more, though, as well. So, um, I guess the one of the things that we like to focus on here is innovation um, here with the show. And I know that you, uh, well, this area seems, you know, ripe for innovation. or It's always changing, right, in terms of, the, the tools that are available, but, and I, I'm sure that like some of the software tools, right, they get better over time, but there's still so much to be lost in translation. I know even just from the, uh, the bit I played around with, with some of the closed captioning tools that are available, you know, on Facebook where, yeah, some of it, it, it can get you close, <laughs> but, but there's some uh, very important things that get missed in there. So, do you see, how, how does innovation play into your business? Let's start there. You know, we use innovation and we use technology to make our jobs easier. I'm a true believer that the human connection is the most important form of communication. It doesn't matter the technology platform you use or anything like that. And we've been very successful in my business for being very traditional. When I say traditional, we initially back in 2000. Uh, seven, eight, when technology started to come in, where they were starting to use a little bit more video remote interpreting, our clients actually told us, you know what, we don't want you to do video remote interpreting. We want you to send live people to our facilities. And that's where we remain strong for many, many years. We averaged like 40,000 hours per year by sending just physically someone on site to, do the, to take on assignments. However, you know what happened with COVID? <laughs> COVID just came and just blew out us you know blew our house down and we had to quickly shift overnight to providing our clients with uh, video remote interpreting 
and we had to adapt to that very quickly. I mean, besides the video remote interpreting, we use certain platforms to make our scheduling easier. We have a platform to make our document translation easier. Uh, we have all the technology in place to make like the efficiencies kind of run smoothly. But when it came to sort of the interpreting, we had to pivot. Just like what the, the famous word of 2020, we had to pivot, right? Because overnight, when we went into shelter in place, and that was March 13, 14th, our clients immediately started calling us one after the other to cancel every single appointment we had. But then we were approached with, we need to talk to this patient, or we need to talk to this parent. How do we do this? And thank goodness for Zoom, Zoom got on it really fast, where they actually created that little feature on their platform that allows you to bring in interpreters. So right now our business is a lot of Zoom, Google Meet meetings, or video remote interpreting for our clients to interact with the clients that they have. And I'm hopeful that eventually, maybe somewhere in third quarter of 2021, we go back to opening our doors and having individuals go there. But I don't believe that this technology that we have for communicating with people is going to go away. And I, and I, and I think it's, it's another resource. I, I truly believe it's another resource, but it's not the answer because there's a lot of nuances when you're talking to people. Like I'm very expressive. You see me using my hands. I'm nodding my head. There's a lot of that stuff that you can't capture by using technology, right? Things get lost. And it's not the number one favor of people when they're trying to talk to people. Doctors have shared they don't want to use it because it just doesn't do justice for them, right? And we, you know, if, for as long as we're able, we're going to continue to offer on site for those who are welcome, allow us to come in. But we also know that we have to be innovative to, and know that this is the direction it's going. Uh, about three, four years ago, I rebranded my company. And there were certain little slogans I came up with, like everyone deserves to be understood, uh, human connection, something that I said that everyone's now talking about today, right? We are now missing the human connection. And you mentioned sort of, you know, the, the, cap, the closed caption, captioning, Microsoft, Google Translate, they're making every effort to try to get it right. But it's not, I don't believe it's ever going to be 100% because there's not a human doing it. And I, you know, if I have to get, if I get stuck on a word, I, I'll use Google Translate, right? But I'm not going to do a whole paragraph or a letter because it's always going to be word for word. And we see those documents come, come across where someone says, can you have a translator edit? We immediately know off the bat that it was done through a machine. That, you know, because you're not thinking as a human and sometimes the words, they're not equivalent or you may have to find a different meaning. And in Spanish, for example, what you say in English is 25% more words for me in Spanish when I come back. So we miss those little key elements that really convey the message. And, and at the end of the day, we have to ensure that it's key that the communication is effective and it's accurate and it has meaning. And we just don't want word for word. Yeah, there is so much uh, in between the lines and also just uh, that the can be lost in that translation when it's not fully, uh, fully vetted. So I see how that human piece is, is so important to get you, you know, to, to real understanding. Because it's one thing if you're looking at, yeah, subtitles in a, in a podcast that you're watching on videos. It's another thing when you're talking about important medical documents and, yes. and a discussion with a physician where, you know, some 
small words can make some big differences, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. So do you guys get involved in things like, so you do the documents, uh, the document translating as well? Like what's the, what's the portion of the breakout between the uh, live assistance that you're, you're giving versus documents? A year ago, we were probably 85 interpreting and 15 translations, 15%. Today, we are probably 85 translations and 15% interpreting. We saw a huge uptake in translating of documents because of COVID-19. And there was a lot of information that needed to get out very quickly to the communities at large when it came to um, information about the mask, washing their hands, or just outreach because one thing we know for sure is in Latino and African-Americans have the high incidence of COVID. So there was a Latino community and print and media. You know, we've done a lot of audio kind of transcribing, having voice over complete like audios for commercials. So today, which is, you know, it's nice. We've been doing a lot of <laughs> document translations for a lot of companies, especially the government space. The government has worked very closely with us in the last five to six months. Right. Yeah, yeah, we think there'd be a lot of work uh, in there to make sure that make sure it that does. those messages are delivered clearly and, and to try to get them received because there's also a lot of, uh, you know, uh, hesitancy, especially when you get into the vaccine and who's going to take it and when. And um, right. I know that there's a lot of people that are real nervous. So um, helping deliver that message, there's, there's little little more important <laughs> activities out there than getting that part right. Yes, there is. And you know, it, when, you, when you speak another language, you're, you're, you know, one of the things for like even um, communities who are, English is not their first language. And if you can't speak the language, they don't trust you, right? They have to trust you know, in order for, for you to get them to take action. Right. And so that's why it's important that when we disseminate information that it's right and it's accurate and that it's in their language that they understand. Otherwise, they'll close the door on you. They don't want to talk to you because you're not speaking and they can't trust you or they don't feel like they can. Yeah, well, they're used to they've been taken advantage of in a lot of situations, too. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, they, they have their own background and. And there's there's reasons for that. They kind of it helps when it, the message is coming more within their communities, right? And and that's the the connection there. So, how else is COVID, so? It sounds like COVID nineteen's had some some big changes in terms of shifting the focus of the of your business. What about just wearing a face mask? I would think that in your business, that's got to make the job a lot more difficult because you know reading lips, even if you don't know that you're doing it, people are helping. That helps put things in context. And so how has that changed things for you? We've been really lucky to have clients, especially our healthcare partners, treat our interpreters as part of the team, right? They're, they're not employed by them, but they're providing them with the same access to the mask, to the scrubs, to the gloves, to any precautions, uh, that they give their employees to our interpreters. So talking about how do you interpret with <laughs> with a cloth mask? Well, a lot of the facilities now have see-through ones, and those are given to our employees. And regularly, they send us documents to share with our interpreters 
like this is what we have this is the process we have today make sure they follow it and this is the mess that we're getting here's how you learn how to do it this is how we want them to do xyz so it's really nice because it gives our interpreters the comfort right and reassurance that they when they walk in that they're also being taken care of and that you know they're protected and you know i won't i'll be lying if i tell you then all of my interpreters, I mean, we have a handful, a good amount, who are not taking appointments because of COVID and for personal reasons. But those that do go on site are actually provided with the same um, equipment as everyone else, which is really nice because then we're protecting them too. Yeah, it's important. I mean, everybody yes. needs to be, feel safe in their environment as best that we can, you know. Correct today but obviously they're kind of at risk going into some yeah. of those facilities as well so um so going forward um and kind of the growth of your business how do you see it developing in the in the years ahead i believe that what's going to happen is we're going to take a, a big shift into the document translation world and a decrease on the interpreting side however which is perfectly fine, right? It doesn't matter which it's communication, but I think it, it's going to go in that direction with a lot of a lot of document translations, a lot of audio voice over talent for us. Uh, we are seeing more clients coming to us wanting us to actually even test their own employees for their proficiency so they can start using them, right? And, and giving them sort of an in-service or training on how to do interpreting correctly. So we can, we're seeing ourselves a little bit more probably in the education space and that sense of actually training bilingual employees at schools, at, at companies, so that they can use them versus actually kind of bringing individuals in. I don't believe that our interpreting is going to go away completely because some of our clients are too large to, to hire every single language need that they have. So they're going to continue to need a partner for that. But we do see that the uptake in translations is going to be really huge for us in the next couple of years, which means that we, we would need to be putting more technology in place to make sure that things run a little bit smoother and we can make things a little bit more faster. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that uh, it's funny. It seems like we've come so far in technology, but then still there's, there, there's, uh, you know, there's so far to go and those translation tools yeah they seem it they're 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 much further advanced than they were just a few years ago but still not where they need to be to be oh, yes. really reliable for 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 critical business decisions right or yes. business decisions and health decisions and well, techn yes, technology so. is technology, right? One day we have good internet service, tomorrow we don't. And, and those things impact our capabilities when we're using technology. And I, you know, initially when COVID hit and, and everybody was on Zoom, what was happening? I mean, everything was freezing. Or, you know, the clients couldn't get the interpreters on and then they were getting really frustrated and they were calling us like if it was <laughs> our fault, but it wasn't, it was the platform because A way to address that in the future. Oh, you know, you have me, you, but then you have an interpreter on in the back room, right? How do we make it where the call doesn't drop or it doesn't freeze or anything like that? Or, or actually, you know, internet companies too are going to have to work on this as well. Otherwise, it's going to continue to create a problem. And then 
with documents, you know, those organizations, Microsoft and Google, who do document translations. I'm not gonna, I'm not sure what's, what it's going to take for them to get it 100% accurate because again, AI, you know, is here and it's gonna stay, but it's not a human being either. And it may not always work. Right, yeah, it, I, I hear you, I hear you. And even some of those, uh, technology hiccups that you that you speak of i think we might even be experiencing a little bit during this uh during this broadcast i see that uh it's broken up a little bit but i think we'll just not uh, charge ahead i think that it, it adds a little to the flavor to of the discussion in terms of uh, ex exactly what we're talking about and i even have a hot i have a hot spot and that doesn't even work <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 but i have a you know the 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 best internet connection that uh, that you can get in a home environment, and it doesn't, uh, yeah, and still issues there too. I I hear about them every day from my from my kids. Uh, I have a fourth grader and a sixth grader, and they're you know so they're at home learning, and uh, I'm surprised mm -hmm. they haven't knocked on the door yet complaining about the uh, the, <laughs> the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keep telling them, you know, Comcast is as good as we get here in Chicago, though. So. I know, and I have Comcast, and I I have issues with that all the time, and I have the highest speed, so let, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all great about your business. Let's talk a little bit more about the uh, National Association of Women Business Owners, because I'm not too too familiar with that. Um, can you talk about your involvement, you know, um, up until now, and then the leadership role that you're that you're taken recently? Sure. So back in 2012, I had just completed the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, which is sort of a small MBA program that was paid through Goldman Sachs. And upon our graduation, we had the National Association of Women's Business Owners and a couple other organizations talk, speak a little bit to what their organization offers. And we've got a one-year membership to to Novel and some other ones. And so I became a member of Novel, which is what we call it, the Chicago chapter. And, you know, attended events and things like that. I'll be, you know, I will be perfectly honest. Initially, I felt like I didn't fit into the organization, right? Um, people didn't look like my, they didn't have my same color. I didn't know how to network. I was a little bit intimidated, probably lacked a little bit of confidence. And I was almost walking away from the organization itself, but then I had to talk myself out of it and say, you know, go back and give it a try because these women are business owners like you and you probably have the same challenges as, as them. And you probably have a lot more in common than you think. And I went back and met these amazing women where I had opportunities to network with them and attend like a novel talk, which is where they bring in quarterly speakers and then they have monthly connects where you get together and listen to a speaker or just everyone sort of in your region got together and, and kind of dialogue with each other. Loved it, been a member ever since. 2015 came around, I ended up joining the board as a board director and served two years, and then fell off of that. And then 2020, <laughs> 2020 um, I was approached about being president and I decided to, to pursue it. And I, got, I was elected in June of 2020 as the first Latina in its history, as I mentioned earlier for Nabo Chicago. And, you know, my task is really, uh, is, you know, I, I see my, my responsibility as the Nabo president twofold. It's 
one, to uplift my own leaders within my board, my board directors, right, to empower them to be leaders within the board and make decisions or, you know, to pre present, you know, whenever possible, give them an opportunity. But also, it's to increase our membership in the Chicagoland era. We have well over 340,000 women business owners in Chicago, right? There's a lot of business owners out there. You said it yourself, Drew. Um, you, know, you know very little about Novel. And it's to work on creating a, a presence in the Chicagoland area and letting women business owners know that we are a, a support group for them. You know, we, we tend to talk now about, I need to find my sisterhood and you want to find my tribe, right? People that I can connect with that understand the challenges, people that I can go to when I, I feel down, support, et cetera. And NABO offers this and we may be virtual right now, However, when we get together through our Zoom meetings once a month, depending on the regions, we currently have four connects, so they're divided by region north, south, east, and west. You can join any of them, and you'll meet some amazing women. And I have experienced firsthand being on these connects on, on Tuesday mornings at 8.30, where everybody's giving referrals, or everyone say, oh, I, I can help you with this, or I can help you with that, right? And I always tell anyone interested in Nabo in Chicago, this is not about growing your business. It will come organically. It's about relationship building. One of the great things about Nabo is it is a national organization which started 45 years ago. And one of the strongest offering is that they are the advocacy arm for women business owners. They are Capitol Hill fighting for women's right when it comes to business owners. They were very key in 1975, getting changed the the age 50 50, I believe it was, where women had to take a male figure with them to the bank to get a loan. It could be your 16 year old son. So we they got that change where you didn't need a male figure to go with you to get a bank loan anymore. So you were able to get a loan on your own, and that meant, Drew, like if I owned the business and my husband had nothing to do with it. I had to still take my husband with me for me to get that loan, although he wasn't <laughs> part of my business. So there's a big component. There's a lot of advocacy in that part of that too, which is really great. So we're always looking at the laws or legislative changes when it comes to small businesses, but more so what's impacting women business owners. And then we have a, an achievement luncheon every year where we like to honor any woman business owner who are members as you know, uh, the entrepreneur of the year, the corporate person of the year, the visionary of the year, and just the member of the year. So we, we recognize it, it's a really amazing membership-based organization that really brings women together. And my, you know, I'm focused on, you know, growing the membership, bringing programming that's relevant to our members, um, increasing our diversity within the organization. We want to welcome everyone, regardless if you are a startup or a $10 million company, that, you know, whatever you see on the website makes you feel uncomfortable. Don't allow that to deter you from joining. We are warm. We're welcoming. We're fun. And we, you know, we do a lot of, what do you need today, Drew? Oh, okay, I have someone for you. Let me make an introduction. And a lot of that happens, which is really great. And that's why I've been involved for, what, eight years, going at nine? Yeah, that's great. That's great. It seems like a uh, nice source of uh, mentorship and, and networking and people just uh, out there helping each other. So um, that's great that uh, that has developed and, and been good for you. Is there any other places that, you know, you've, you've come a long way. So in, in terms of mentorship, are there, where have you drawn inspiration from? 
Well, I actually, I didn't even mention this, but Navo Chicago also has a mastermind group, which entails mentoring. I lead one of them every month. We have currently three and that you can't even put a price on it, but my mentoring and my coach comes from currently, um, I am a Vistage member and mm. I have an amazing mentor, Kevin Kinsella, who he's adorable, but he is my mentor coach, coach right now and has been, I'm going on my second year. But separate from that, I, I, you know, I have a group of sisters, what I call my sisterhood, female entrepreneurs that also I lean on when I have my little hiccups and challenges <laughs> that I can also go to. So I, I have to say I have like three, three little three places where I can go. Right. Um, and all of them have different perspectives. All of them are strong. All of them are, are truly helpful. And we all need a mentor in your life. You just need one. I didn't realize that until about five years ago when someone started talking to me about mastermind groups and mentoring, I was like, what's that, you know? And then I, I joined one and when they start holding you accountable, that's really when you get into action because there are times when we can get very lazy, you know, and, and not want to take, take risks or we get afraid or it's the holidays and we want to sit back and do nothing, right? But your mentor, your coach says, listen, you don't stop, right? Just because it's Christmas is around the corner. You, you get those numbers and you make your business work you know, by December 31st, so you can end the year on a high note. So it's been, it's, it's great. And I mentor too. I, um, I grew up in a, with a mom who was a single mother of six, right? I didn't have not even a mentoring in high school. Like, you know, no one, no one took my hand and said, Elizabeth, you know, you have the potential to go to college. So I never went to college out of high school. It took me five years to decide to say, you know what, I'm ready to go to nursing school. I didn't even know what it meant. I didn't what mentor meant or, you know, when I was young. And so I have a responsibility now to, to mentor other women, either they could be a business owner who will come and ask me for advice. Um, it's a high schooler. It's a, a daughter of a friend of mine who says, you know, you, you draw inspiration because you're Latina, but you've made it very successful. You've been very successful have you built a really solid company foundation? How do you do that? And so I find myself on the phone talking to people, trying to give them that same inspiration as well, because I don't want people to struggle sort of the way I did. And when I opened my business, I didn't have any help. I, I you know, I quit my job. I had $500 in the bank. That's all I had. And I took those $500 and opened my business. But I didn't know about the Women's Business Development Center. I didn't know about the Goldman Sachs. I didn't know about the resources from SCORE. I knew none of that. And so everything that I learned, I learned the hard way and it cost me dollars and time. And, but it was all there. Had I known, had someone even shared a tidbit of that information, I, I would have saved us so much time. You know, I was working 16 hour days trying to make everything work and I didn't have to do that. And so today I'm kind of surprised when I talk to someone, they say, certification, what? You can be certified as a woman's business owner? Score? What is that? You know, it's interesting how, there's still a lack of knowledge among a lot of individuals who are entrepreneurs or small business owners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, for, for people who do want to learn more and this, this all sounds uh, interesting with that there's, you know, someone who, who wants to learn, uh, to learn more about the uh, NABO, where, where, where do they look? Well, they can go to nabochicago.org. And it's our, our website. They can go there or they can call me at 312-823-6290. Okay, great. And then uh, for your business, it's metafrancislcs.com. 
Yes. I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll include links in the show notes. And so people can, uh, can, uh, easily click through and, um, is there anything else you want to uh, point out? Well, to all the businesses out there in the world, 2021 is right around the corner and it's going to be better for everyone. Stay true to who you are. Stay resilient. I believe that those who maintain that resiliency are going to make it to 2021 and beyond. So do not fear it. We're going to be good at the end of all of this. Yeah. It'll be nice to, uh, to turn the corner. So hopefully with this uh, vaccine now available and uh, in the new year, uh, it'll, we can, uh, we can actually do that. So, yep. Happy holidays. Yes. Thank you very much for joining Elizabeth and uh, enjoy the rest of your, uh, enjoy the rest of the year. You too. Thank you so much. And salute again from yeah, Puerto Rico. <laughs> uh, take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.